we exist as a church to love God and love people. Um, our mission statement, as we've declared it, is to help people take their next step towards God. And what we mean by that is that we, we know that everybody is on a spiritual journey. Um, everybody is on a journey towards uh, Christ. And uh, we'll never reach maturity you know, until we, we sit with God in heaven. Um, so we all have this process, this journey we're on. Whether you've been walking with God for 80 years or 80 seconds, we all have a next step. And, uh, you know, I, I want to revisit those numbers um, that we brought up during the offering time. Um, this is kind of an add-in because here's my problem. I don't think we got excited about what happened last weekend. Um, I don't think that it really sank in to you guys um, what took place last weekend. Um, so, I don't, Eric, can you go back to that slide real quick? Um, we had 70-plus uh, K through 5th graders in the building Friday night. We had 541 guys from all over the Peoria area that gathered together for this men's breakfast. Uh, we had 550 in attendance last Sunday. We had 54 middle schoolers. And if you work with middle schoolers, God bless you. Um, exactly. Give middle schooler volunteers a round of applause. Um, 32 high schoolers. We have a huge incoming freshman class. Um, I mean, about probably three-quarters of the, the students we have in the high school right now are, are freshmen. If you add up all those numbers, now we had some repeats and stuff like that, so I'm not saying individual people, but we had about 1,300, check my math on this, 1,300 distinct opportunities to touch somebody's life last weekend. We Great Oaks Community Church, this family of believers had about 1,300 distinct opportunities to draw people into a relationship with Christ to help them take their next step. Guys, that's something we need to celebrate. Don't celebrate Great Oaks right now as you start to applaud and clap here in just a moment. Don't celebrate Great Oaks. Don't celebrate us as leaders. Don't celebrate us as volunteers. Just celebrate God. Can we do that this morning? Thank God for last weekend. Go ahead. Because, I mean... To him. To him. No, 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 no. You, you can do better than that. I mean, we are celebrating the creator of the universe. We're celebrating the guy who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And he doesn't get a little mild, meek applause, okay? I mean, you have to pour out your applause. Pour out, I mean, give me a yeehaw. Give me something. I mean, you're crying out to the God who loves you so much that he gave up his son we got to do better than that. Celebrate what God did last weekend right now. Much better. Much better. Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about next steps. Um, we, we've got the sermon title here. This is a standalone sermon. Um, Bill said, hey, whatever you want to teach on, um, go ahead and do that. And so I started prep, and then he came back. He said, you know, it would be good if you taught on this. Um, and I was like, okay. Um, but it worked well because, I mean, God just synced our hearts. I was already working in that general direction, and so it was just a little bit of tweaking. And uh, we're going to start a new series um, next week. It's a three-week series called Love is a Verb. You're going to hear more about that. But during that series, um, Bill is going to start to reveal some tangible next steps for us as a church body, um, vision things for us, things that, that we as a leadership have been praying over, um, things that we sense God is calling us towards. And so we're going to begin to explore these together with you as a church body. And, uh, and so Bill's going to talk about those the next three weeks in this series called Love is a Verb. But this morning, I want to talk to you about um, your next step. I want to talk about moving towards God. Um, all throughout our lives, we make countless decisions, don't we? 
I mean, every day of our lives, we make decisions. Some are pretty big, some are pretty small. Um, this morning, you know, I decided to wear black. I decided to look like Johnny Cash for some reason. Um, you know, I, I prayed with Greg Harmon this morning before the service started, and, and uh, one of our leadership team members, and he walks up and he goes, man in black. I'm like, yes, for some reason I decided to wear black. Um, I decided to have coffee. I decided to put too much sugar in it. I decided to listen to this song in my office as I prepped the sermon this morning. We make all sorts of, of mundane, countless decisions. But every now and again in our lives, we come to a, a point where we're faced with a pretty major decision, where, where it's kind of a fork in the road. And we've got to decide, are we going to go left or are we going to go right? Um, some of you know this, some of you don't. Um, my undergrad degree is in business, my master's is in organizational leadership. Um, but after college, um, my wife and I had the opportunity to own a business. Um, we actually owned a Dairy Queen. Um, it was an incredible opportunity. I loved ice cream, still love Dairy Queen, still can't get enough of it. Um, but we owned this business, and it was a no-brainer decision. Um, a longer story than I have time to tell right now, but basically it was given to us. It was put in our laps my senior year of college. So my entire senior year, all of my fellow business graduates, they're doing job interviews, job hunts, they're getting their suits on, they're doing all these resumes. I'm like, hey, October my senior year, i got a job waiting for me as soon as I graduate. And it's owning a business. Like, how cool is that? And then we got into the business. And the business was fun. The business was, was great. I mean, fi- huge financial blessing for us. We paid off all of our college loans within a year of graduating college. I mean, it was just an incredible blessing. Um, but it was a lot of work. And we were young. We were naive. We didn't understand all the nuances of owning a business. Karen and I were both working about 90 to 98 hours a week in the store. And we just killed ourselves. Um, and so a year and a half later, we came to that fork in the road. And we go, okay, if we stay on this path, um, there's some stuff that's going to happen in our lives that may not be the best, best thing. If we go down this path, this is unknown. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Um, I don't know what job I'm going to have. I don't know how I'm going to provide for the family. Over here, I've got guaranteed income. I mean, lots of money coming over here. Over here, I have no idea. And we reached that point, and we had to look at each other, and we had to pray, and we had to go, okay, what's our next step? And we ended up walking away from the dairy. We walked away from guaranteed money. Um, I, I substitute taught for about six months until I found a full-time position um, and, and then went into that. And, and you know, coming down here, um, we were part of a church community up in Chicago for 12 years. Um, it was the only church we attended after graduating college. Um, it was the church that took a risk on me and, and hired me uh, without a degree, without a Bible background, to come on staff as a pastor. I mean, what church does that? Um, we had our children in this church. Um, this church prayed with us. They, they loved on us. They, they challenged us. Um, they came alongside of us. And then there came a point where I just couldn't stay. The, the direction the church was going, the, the philosophy, the leadership, I, I, it wasn't that it was bad. It was just wasn't mine. And there was a mismatch. And we came to this fork in the road. And I go, okay, I can stay here and what we've known and what's comfortable um, even though it may not be the best fit, or we can leave into the unknown and the uncomfortable. Um, and I actually resigned uh, from that position before I had interviewed with any church um, because of the level of conversation we were having with my future in that church. I, wanted to, I just had to be up front. I didn't want to go behind the leadership's back and say, I'm taking Sunday off and you know, just going on vacation, um, and then go interview with another church. And so I actually resigned in late March, and I didn't find and come down to Great Oaks until September of that year. And we had that period where it was kind of unknown, and it was very uncomfortable. And some of you have been there. Um, some of you, maybe it, maybe it has been a, a job transition, and you, you've come to that point where you say, I, I, I just can't do it anymore. And, you know, I, I'm down this path, I know this path, I, I can, I, it's comfortable because it's known. 
But I, I'm sensing maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to change jobs. Uh, some of you have, have experienced it recently with, with your houses. Uh, you've decided to, to increase your family, and so you need a bigger house. Or your family, you become empty nesters, and you decide to sell a house that you've loved and, and, and downsize. But you've reached that, that fork in the road, and you go, are we going to do this or are we not going to do this? We've been in this house. We know this house. We love this house. I don't know what's coming up next to us. Some of you, have, uh, you remember that decision where you decided to have your first child, and, you know, for your entire marriages, you've been trying not to get pregnant. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're deciding, yes, it's time. Um, but you had to reach that point. And you're like, are we going to do this? What does it really mean to be a parent? What does it mean to have a, a child be completely responsible for that child? I mean, we can go on with singlehood, just me and my wife, and, and we can go down that path, and we have a great path. And, you know, I don't know what a kid's going to do to us. Um, and maybe if we knew what kids were going to do, we never would. But, um, and some of you are, are choosing to adopt. And you talk about the unknown and the uncomfortable. I mean, you're bringing in a child who wasn't yours, who you don't know what background is there. You don't know the full history. And you're facing down this path. Um, some of you, you remember this moment uh, when you, you decided, you know what, I kind of like this girl. And I, I really want to ask her out. And you came to that fork in the road where you had to go, am I brave enough to do this? Am I brave enough to take the next step? And to put myself out there and maybe face rejection, it may be uncomfortable, it's the unknown, I don't know. And guys, teenage guys, if I can give you any hint, any tip, ask the girl, okay? Don't wait for her to ask you, all right? I'm just telling you, girls like confidence, but not cockiness. Girls like a guy who's confident, so ask the girl. If I hear any girl that's asked you out, boy, all right. Anyway, <laughs> it's a whole nother sermon. Last, uh, two weekends ago, um, last illustration, we had, we had a high schooler, uh, turned 18. He decided, you know what, for my 18th birthday, I'm going to go skydiving. And he, he, I mean, he had to put money down, and then eventually he had to stand in that doorway, and he had to face a critical decision. Do I stay in what's comfortable, in a perfectly good airplane, that I know will land with me safe and sound in it, or do I jump out and face the unknown and the uncomfortable? We face these moments in our lives. And, and I want to draw your attention. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Because there's a guy in the Old Testament that faced a critical decision as well. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Uh, hopefully you have your Bibles with you. Uh, we really want to encourage you. Bring your Bibles every Sunday. We are a people of this book. And we need to understand this book. We give you the verses in the bulletin on the screen. But you need to see the scriptures in context. You need to know what comes before it and what comes after it. So every Sunday, bring your Bibles to church with me. Or with you. Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. I want to read the words of God together uh, this morning as a faith community. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 3, uh, verses, verse 1. You ready? Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. I need to hear you guys. I'm not hearing very many. You got to speak up here. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And we'll stop there. Go ahead and sit. Thank you. 
So as we read this story, and we think about next steps, there, there's two kind of defining moments for Moses in this experience. Um, two, two moments where you kind of hit this fork in the road. Um, the first is what I call a, a moment of curiosity. Uh, J- Moses is a shepherd. He's been out in these hill, hills. Uh, the life of a shepherd is pretty, bull, pretty uh, boring, pretty dull, pretty mundane. You're following sheep and goats around. You're making sure they got food. You protect them from the occasional bear and lion that attacks. You know, pretty mundane. And uh, Moses is walking along one day. He knows these hills. He knows the trail. Everything about him is, is everything around him is known, is comfortable. And then he looks up and he sees this bush burning over here. Now, a burning bush in the middle of the desert, honestly, is not that unique. Um, when I was over in Israel earlier this year, uh, there were forest fires that were just sparked, you know, just by the littlest thing, um, and, and, and fires would begin to burn all the brush. But as he looked closer, he realized there's something unique about this bush. It's not burning up. It's not being consumed by the flames, which is all his experience all these years. When you light a bush on fire, it burns up. It disappears. And this one wasn't disappearing. And so he, he, he reached this fork in the road. He's like, okay, I know this path. I know where I'm taking my sheep. But, wow, there's this bush over here, and there's something going on over here. And he had this moment of curiosity, and he, he, he made the decision. He said, I'm going to step this way towards that burning burning bush. He made a movement in that direction. And then there's a second uh, moment of of decision for him. Uh, When the bush talks to him, and the bush says, Moses, Moses! And Moses replies, and we read it kind of placidly, here I am. Now, come on. If if I'm Moses, I'm in the middle of the desert, I know the heat's getting in my brain a little bit, uh, but I've got a bush that's burning up. I've never seen this before. I walk over to the bush. I I make that decision. I move towards the bush. The bush talks to me. The bush knows my name. I'm not going to go, hey, here I am. You know, I'm going to go, whoa, it's a talking bush. What in the world is going on? Either that or I'm going, um, yeah. Like, why is this bush talking to me? But he faces this moment of decision, a fork in the road, a bush is talking to him, and he has to talk back. Now, come on. I mean, how, how unique is that? And, and who talks to a burning bush anyway? But Moses decides, I'm going to move into conversation with this bush. And he discovers that this bush is God speaking to him. And God says, I'm the God of your, your forefathers. I'm here with you. And if you know the rest of the story, you know that, that God and Moses enter into this conversation, this dialogue. And, and God calls Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. And he goes and he becomes the leader of the nation of Israel. Um, but he, he had to make that moment of decision when he had to step towards the burning bush, when he had to step towards God. And you know what's interesting about this? Notice when God revealed himself. Did you catch when? It wasn't when he first noticed the bush. It wasn't when he first got his attention. It wasn't when Moses looked over and go, huh, there's something unique about that bush. It was when he made the decision, the intentional decision, to take a step and move towards God. The text says that when God saw that Moses had come to look at the bush, then God spoke. There's some significance there to that reality. You see, God is still working in our world today. He's still looking for people who will join him on this Jesus mission to change the world. He's still putting burning bushes before us every day, waiting to see how we respond. Now, in the Old Testament, we read that that people had personal encounters with God. In the New Testament, we know that that Jesus came down and walked among us, and, and people interacted with him. 
And, and later in the New Testament, when Jesus dies, when He ascends, uh, He sends the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what we have today. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. It whispers to us. It tells, he tells us what we want us to do. If you have your, your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. I want you to read some, some, hear some words about the Holy Spirit here. Uh, John 14, verses 15 through 17. Uh, Jesus says, If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And again, later on in verses 23 through 26, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. My Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. The Holy Spirit lives within those of us who have yielded our lives to Christ. And the Holy Spirit whispers in our head, in our hearts, continuously, every day, reminding us of what Jesus taught, reminding us and calling us to be like Christ in this world. The Holy Spirit, if you know Christ, is within you, and he's guiding you every step of the day if you're willing to just listen. And he'll whisper things like, tell your coworker about Christ. Help your neighbor. You see that child over there who doesn't have a dad? Be a dad for that kid. Visit that person in the hospital. Give up your vacation and, and go on that mission trip. Sit with that kid in school who always sits by himself, who has no friends. Stop and, and help that family on the side of the road. These are burning bush moments that God, through the Spirit, puts before us. And he's waiting to see how we're going to respond. It's a critical decision where we're going on a, on a path that's known and comfortable, and all of a sudden the Spirit whispers to us, and we have to go, am I going to take a step towards God? Am I going to move towards God in this moment? Uh, see, God is trying to reveal himself, but oftentimes we don't listen. And, and for, some, for the most, it's simply because we don't know God. Uh, if you turn to John chapter 8, verse 47, uh, Jesus is teaching. He says, He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Uh, for some of you here today, you, you haven't fully surrendered your life yet to Christ. You haven't yielded yourself to Christ. You haven't entered into that personal relationship with Christ. And so as a result, you don't have the Spirit whispering in your ear, reminding you what it means to be like Christ. Uh, for some of you, you've started on that journey, uh, but you don't know what that voice is. Or, or, or maybe you're living a, a lifestyle that's the, the exact opposite of what Christ wants, and the Spirit is trying to break through, but you're not hearing Him. Uh, maybe it's because we're too busy. Um, Greg Harmon and I were talking this morning just about the, the busyness of life. Um, and, and I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. Uh, this is the pot calling the kettle black. I lead an incredibly busy life. In fact, every performance review I've had with Bill so far, he says, you do too much, you're involved in too many things, you've got to slow down, okay? So I'm, I'm not saying anything that I'm, I'm not struggling with here. But there's this pace of life that we have. And, and, and I want you to picture God is sitting on this stool. And God is saying, you know, Chris, I'd, I'd really love to talk to you. Because i got something really cool um, that I'd love to have you be a part of. And uh, it's, it's going to glorify me. It's going to lift me up. Um, it's going to cause people to know my son. And uh, Chris, I'd, I'd really like you to partner with me on that. 
and God is just sitting in this chair, and, and, and I'm going, you know what, i got to get to a staff meeting, God, I'll, I'll talk to you in a little bit. God, i got, I got to get my kids to soccer, um, I'll, 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 I'll come back to you here in a little bit. And, and God just sits here, and God just, you know, he's, he's patient, he's not a pushy God, he's just waiting. He's saying, are you, you ever going to slow down and, and sit down and talk with me? Because i I got things that I want to talk to you about. And you know what, God, that's great, but, you know, i got to go run. I'm training for this marathon, and i, I got to go do my run. Um, you know, hey, Chris, I want to talk. You know what, God, it's great, um, but I, I got this vacation i got to go on, and uh, we're, we're hitting the road soon, loading up the family. we got to go. And God's just going, okay. I have great plans for you. I'd love to have you be part of it. But you've got to put yourself here, Chris. You've you got to put yourself at my feet. We've got to talk. We need to listen. And for some of us, myself included, we need to slow down the pace of life. I think sometimes we don't listen to the Spirit because we're too comfortable in life. See, God is still looking for men and women and students and children who would risk the comfortable and the known for the uncomfortable and the unknown. Who's willing to take that, that intentional move towards him. Uh, to say, God, whatever you want me to do, uh, it's, it may scare me to death. It may require a huge sacrifice on my part. But God, whatever it is, I, I want you to do that. Um, I want to jump back to that verse about the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 26. It says the counselor, the Holy Spirit, uh, will come. That Greek word for the, the word counselor there is the Greek word paraclete, uh, which means comfort or comforter. Let me ask you this question. Why would we need comforted by the Holy Spirit if our lives are already comfortable? Let that sink in. If we've never put ourselves out there to where we had to depend on God, to where we moved into the unknown and the uncomfortable, why in the world would we need the comforter to comfort us? Wrestle with that a little bit. See, God is looking for people who will enter into the chaos, the messiness of life, to make a difference. God is looking for people who will become uncomfortable, for people who will live such Christ-centered lives that they absolutely have to depend on God. Are you one of those people? Am I one of those people? Are we people who will accept the challenge to intentionally move towards God? Go on to the next slide, if you would. This phrase, move towards God. When I point to the screen, I want you to say these words, okay? Let's, let's say them together as a community. Um, move towards God. Um, just follow me on this. When you see injustice... No, 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 no. When you see injustice... And offer justice. When you see starvation... And offer food. When you see nakedness... And offer clothing. You guys got to... I'm not getting the sense you're really buying into this concept. When we see these things in the world, we have to move towards God with boldness, conviction, and courage. And I need to hear that in your voices. When you see loneliness, and offer friendship. When you see pain, and offer healing. When you see chaos, and offer peace. Uh, two weeks ago, we had our uh, high school kickoff, MXTC. 
uh, we sat with the students in the, the meadow back here around the campfire, and I challenged the students with the words that Paul wrote to, to his protege, Timothy. Uh, they're kind of, it's kind of a core verse for us in the high school program, 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Adults, I've got to ask, are we setting an example for the students? Are, are we giving them an example of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ? Are we modeling a life that's any different than the rest of the world around us? Do our priorities look any different than those who don't know Christ? Do our schedules look any different? Do our budgets look any different? Is our language any different than those who don't know Christ? Is our behavior any different than those who don't know Christ? Is there anything beyond going to church and going to small group that makes us look any different than the rest of the world around us that does not know Christ? We lament the loss of faith in our teenagers, but have we given them a radical example to follow? When they go away to college, do they look back at their home church and at their parents and the people that they interacted with for, for those 18 years and they go, I want to be like them? Or do we give them a, a nice, easygoing message about God? It's safe. It's comfortable. Uh, there was an article uh, in CNN uh, recently. I've got it here. It's called More Teens Becoming Fake Christians. And I highlighted just a few things in here. I just want to read this. Uh, this was a study from a, a professor at Princeton Theological University. Um, she's a, a minister as well. Um, she writes these after this extensive uh, research program. Uh, three out of four American teenagers claim to be Christian. Fewer than half practice their faith. Only half deem it important. And most can't talk coherently about their beliefs, the study found. Now, teenagers, hang on with me, okay, because this isn't a condemnation on you. Many teenagers thought that God simply wanted them to feel good and do good, what the study's researchers called, and chew on this one, moralistic therapeutic deism, um, which is basically we want a God who makes us feel good and be nice. And he said, she goes on to say that, that parents are the most important influence in their children's faith. If teenagers lack an articulate faith, it may be because the faith that we show them as adults and as a church is too spineless to merit much in the way of conversation. She goes on, she says, Parents who perform one act of radical faith in front of their children convey more than a multitude of sermons and missions trips. A parent's radical act of faith could involve something as simple as spending a summer in Bolivia working on an agricultural renewal project or turning down a more lucrative job offer uh, to stay at a struggling church. But that's not enough to be radical. Parents must explain, this is how Christians live. If you don't say you're doing it because of your faith, she goes on, Kids are going to say, my parents are really nice people. It doesn't register that faith is supposed to make you live differently unless parents help their kids connect the dots. Are we setting an example for the next generation? You see, when you die, God is not going to ask you how many sports teams you played on. He's not going to ask you how many clubs or organizations you belong to. He's not going to ask you how good your 401k was. He's not going to ask you how big of a house you lived in or what kind of a car you drove. He's not going to ask you what clothing label you wore or where you went on vacation. He's going to ask you one question. What did you do with the gift that my son gave you? What did you do with the gift of my son? Did you accept it and surrender your life to me? Did you share that gift with other people through your words and actions? Did you make an intentional move towards me when I put a burning bush in front of you? Did you strive to accomplish what I wanted accomplished in the world? Did you live for me, God says, or did you live for yourself? 
How many of you have heard of an organization called Children's Hunger Fund? Anybody? No? It's one of the, uh, the top-rated charitable organizations that's flown under the radar of the United States since 1991. Uh, since 1991, uh, they've distributed over $875 million in food and other resources um, to, 35, to, to 10 million children in 35 U.S. states and 72 countries worldwide. Um, they do things such as home delivery of food, emergency feeding campaigns, medical clinics, orphan homes, discipleship, job training, disaster relief, clean water, community development, um, farming training and support. They give away 99% of the revenue program, of the, of the money they receive. 99% of what they receive they send out to make a difference in the world. The guy who founded it was a guy by the name of Dave Phillips. He and his wife Lynn had been praying. And, and, and in their prayers they said, God... We, we want to be used by you. We don't know what that looks like. Um, would you just show us? And, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him just this inner passion they had uh, for helping kids who, who don't have enough. And so they quit their jobs. And, and they started this organization in their garage because they were being obedient uh, to this fork in the road, this burning bush that God put before them. And he said, you know what? I've got a guaranteed job over here. I've got a great retirement plan over here. But God, you've shown me a path here, and I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how comfortable it's going to be. I don't know what to expect. But God, I'm going to move towards you, and I'm going to trust you. Next three weeks, Bill's going to be talking about this series called Love is a Verb. During this series, he's going to be revealing some very tangible next steps for us as a church. For us as, as an organization, and for us as individuals. And what we're going to need you to do is be willing to look at that fork in the road and say, you know, I know what this path looks like. I know what to expect. I've been down it. It's comfortable. It's known. But God, you've put before me a new path. I don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take. It may require things of me that I've never had to do before. And we need you. And we need me to be willing to say to God I'm going to move towards you God into the unknown into the uncomfortable and I'm going to trust you my prayer is that you're willing to take that step some of the things are small changes but have dramatic results some of them are huge changes and they're going to challenge us as a church body they're going to challenge you individually and my hope and prayer is that you're willing to, to take that bold step with us. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.